Welcome to DST Radio, where we feature best-in-class insight and opinion from thought leaders and practitioners in the healthcare industry to help you stay informed to make the best decisions. This is the Healthcare Insider. I'm your host, Todd Youngblood. Welcome back. My guest today has expertise that's not only uncommon, but it's also in very high demand. Health insurance marketplaces are relatively new, they're rapidly changing, and of course they're an extremely important part of the whole health insurance landscape. To help us work through all that, please welcome Stephanie Leftwich. She's Director of Health Insurance Marketplace Strategy with DST Health Solutions. Stephanie, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Oh, I'm excited. Thanks, Todd. Just to get us kicked off, Stephanie, can you give us a quick sketch of your own background? Sure. I started off in the actual provider community. I worked in a physician's office doing everything from front office to back office to taking blood pressures. And that kind of evolved through my career where I worked in a health insurance plan, handling their claims and their configuration a lot in their IT area. I moved back to the provider world in the hospital setting, taking care of like patient management and patient accounting, and ended up here at DST, helping with the software development and understanding the needs of insurance companies from that perspective. Could you give us a, a quick overview, 10,000-foot view of DST? Sure. DST Health Solutions is a healthcare technology and service solutions company that enables clients to help thrive in this complex and rapidly evolving healthcare market that we live in. We can help guide you through successfully managing some of your important business decisions and functions, as well as your strategic and financial growth as you go through. Let's dive into some of the details here. I think it's probably safe for me to say there's been a few bumps in the road with health insurance marketplaces since they started up in 2014. What's coming at us next, Stephanie? What can we expect in 2017? Yeah, you know, the press has really latched on to some of the challenges um, that's going on in the health insurance marketplace, namely with healthcare.gov and other state marketplaces. And, and it's been a lot um, in the media from that perspective. But, you know, we, we've come a long way since that time. And in 2017, there's going to be some interesting changes that come out that people are going to be faced with that they've not had to deal with before. One in particular around the standard plan designs, the healthcare.gov and the federal facilitated marketplace wants to kind of take out some of the guesswork when people are out there shopping. So they're going to give standard plan designs that give the similar benefits across all uh, product offerings. And so it kind of helps people understand what they're actually purchasing because they've had too many choices and it's been very confusing for them from that perspective. Another key area that I think they're focusing on and it's been very talked about in the press is an area called network adequacy. There's challenges out there with how the narrow networks and the ultra-narrow networks have been designed uh, that has been confusing for the consumer. So there's been some more rules placed out there around network adequacy. They are working very closely with the National Association of Insurance Commissioners uh, to help with some of those time and distance parameters. So the draft rule was a little bit more aggressive than the final rule. But I think that that shows that CMS is allowing the, the market to kind of grow and mature itself as things work out in that side of the industry that CMS can adopt it from that perspective. There is another little piece of network adequacy that has to do with surprise billing. This is another hot topic that people have latched on, and it's actually going to be delayed in 2018, but it is something that people need to be aware of and be thinking about how they're going to solve it in the 2017 year. And then the third thing I think that probably people may need to make sure they have an understanding of is the changes coming in the risk adjustment. The risk adjustment has also been very, very successful <laughs> it, for some people. It's also very challenging for some others. So 
We have uh, some changes that the CMS is doing to the risk adjustment process itself. They're going to incorporate the 2014 data to bring in and level out the, the model. They are going to modify this, tra- this trend rate factor approach to help the rising cost of these new care uh, regimens, particularly specialty drugs. And they're also going to include things like presented services because those weren't in there before. And this will allow health plans to, off- uh, to get the benefit of people that actually get the preventive services going forward. Let's take a little closer look at the standard plan designs. California was the kind of led the way in all that. Why is CMS getting into this now? Yeah, and Cover California was an interesting state marketplace. They were they came out of the gate with some very different philosophies than what the federal marketplace did and even some of the other state marketplaces. And one of the things that Cover California did from the very beginning was d- deliver standard plan designs. They they uh, the issuers that were involved all had to sell the same thing. And that, that enabled the consumers to have a better understanding of what they were shopping for. You know, we have the standardized metal tiers out there, gold, silver, platinum, and bronze. But, you know, even within that, you have, if you look on healthcare.gov, there's a hundred different silver plans. And as a consumer, you know, you, not everybody understands the nuances and the intricacies of the different silver plans. So since Cover California went out of the gate with that, they were very successful. They limited the number of issuers that could be sold on the marketplace, and all the issuers had to do those standardized plans. The simplified market phase will make it easier for those high-quality health insurance companies to be successful because it takes out some of the guesswork and some of the confusion for the consumers from that perspective. You talked about the network adequacy parameters a few minutes ago. Can you, can you just give us a little bit of a deeper perspective on that? Yeah. Uh, the, the draft rule, as I mentioned, was a little bit more aggressive than the final rule. Um, they wanted the quantifiable network standards to default time and distance standards that would apply. CMS backed off on that because they wanted the NAIC process to, to kind of play out in the market itself. But it did introduce some time and distance standards for certain specialties, you know, for hospitals and rheumatology and some, some typical specialties that are out there um, that people need to follow. It also talks about if you see a physician that is on a regular basis and they are terminated from your plan, that the insurance company has to provide 30-day notice to that consumer and work with them through like a transition period to make sure that they have the quality of care and the continuity of care necessary for their treatment going forward. And there's also the kind of the there's going to be a new rating system that's going to be on healthcare.gov, which has never been there before. So as I mentioned, a lot of people to be competitive in the marketplace designed what's known as narrow networks or ultra-narrow networks to drive people to certain provider entities. These, these networks are not necessarily available in a good place for people to, when they're shopping on healthcare.gov, and there's been a lot of complaints about consumers saying, I didn't know my physician was not in my network, or I was surprised to know that I couldn't go to my normal hospital. So what CMS is going to do is they're going to take people's health plans network databases, and they're going to rank those into different categories. There will be three main categories. There will be a broad category. There will be a narrow category. The third category that will be available will be the standard. So they're going to have broad, standard, and basic categories that will be available when the consumers shop it on healthcare.gov to determine what kind of network is available to them when they purchase this plan. And that will help people make better buying decisions as they go forward. Is there any anything in there regarding life-threatening or just serious acute conditions? 
There is. So if patients are in active treatment for a life-threatening or serious acute condition or in like their second or third trimester of their pregnancy and their treating physician is taking off their network for whatever reason, they will be some allowances for them to continue that treatment for up to 90 days and also work out with some other continuing of care business plan issues with that insurance plan. You mentioned surprise billing before. Was that, was that within the network adequacy parameters? It is, and the surprise billing is a hot topic because most people don't necessarily even know that they're going to get a bill from a non-network physician because, for example, you go to a participating facility with a participating surgeon and you think everything's covered, and then you come to find out afterwards that your anesthesiologist who gave you your anesthesia is not in your network, and you get a surprise bill, and you thought you did everything correct as a consumer. There's also emergent situations which are, are completely different, but it's typically the ones that you, you think you do everything right as a, as a consumer, but yet you're still surprised with these, these non-network charges. So those are going to roll out with some more oversight in 2018 for, to protect the consumer from having to have all of the responsibility for a non-network provider. So they will be responsible for their in-network cost share, and the provider could do balance billing because that wasn't in the final regulation, but at least reduces the responsibility for the consumer to be in-network instead of out-of-network as they go through these types of services. Stephanie, CMS has been in the risk adjustment business for several years now for Medicare Advantage. Why is ACA so different? Yeah, you know, that's that's been a very critical part of Medicare Advantage world for many, many years. It's been very successful, but, you know, in the ACA world, it's completely different. Um, not completely, but you know, it's, it's a lot different. Um, in the ACA world, it's kind of, bu- it's budget neutral. So in the Medicare, which means in the Medicare Advantage world, as a health plan, you receive more premium based on the risk of your population um, to take care of that population. Because ACA is different and the premiums actually come from the individuals and are partially subsidized by the government, it's a different game. So there's budget neutral in that health plans share that risk amongst their competitors in their marketplace. So for example, health plan A and health plan B both compete in the same service area. And so the health plan A has a costlier membership, which means they have a higher risk. Health plan B has to pay them a share of that associated risk. So that's a very unique difference that comes out there in the marketplace world. Um, Another key difference is the way they do the um, review of the data. So the Medicare risk adjustment is a prospective, which means that it uses predictive costs for next year based on your population going forward. Whereas in the health insurance marketplace world, there's no prior knowledge of conditions prior to this year. So it's operating on more of a concurrent model, which uses the data from 2015 to to operate the risk adjustment for 2016. So there's just very expensive ways to do this risk adjustment factor. The concurrent model also works well for the ACA because of the churn, right? People go in and out of marketplaces during the year, whereas in the Medicare Advantage world, it's a pretty stable market. You, you are eligible for Medicare Advantage for the entire benefit year and, and from an age going forward, whereas in the ACA, you can go in and out depending on your eligibility, depending right. on your income, depending on you know, your job status. So it, it, it's a very advantageous way to do the data going forward. However, it's a 
different complex way of getting the data. Um, there's an edge server process involved in the ACA where the Medicare Advantage has different ways of getting the data from that perspective. So it's very time consuming for the insurance companies to do it, but there's a lot of talk and CMS has taken a lot of feedback. They had a summit this May, March, getting feedback from the industry about how they can make this work better because you know, I think they're committed to making this work. Stephanie, are we learning anything from some of the European countries that have been at this a while, Germany, Switzerland? How is the cooperation and learning occurring in that regard? That's a very good point. When, with this risk adjustment model that has been out there for the ACA, you know, we join some of the similarities that people have operated in insurance markets for more than 20 years. Some of the companies that you, some of the countries that you mentioned, have evolved their systems and they strive for improvement in their systems as they look at the new coefficients, as they look at the new conditions, as they look at the new factors and the data. So that is what we're seeing here in this um, ACA market as well, that the model is going to evolve, it's going to change, it's going to grow, but that's exactly what happened in the European countries too. So we're not where we need to be, uh, but we're definitely taking advantage of getting a hold of this data and using it to better the risk associated with this new population. Stephanie, I've got to tell you, as one that's not nearly as close to these issues as you obviously are, do you have any hints and tips? How can folks learn about all this, keep up with all, all the changes? Any thoughts? Yeah, you know, um, there is a lot of information out there. Um, CMS does a great job of providing webinars and materials for you. Um, you can go to uh, regtab.info. And there's also the cmszone.gov website. Those are two great resources to get information. CCIO, C-C-I-I-O.gov also has great information from that perspective. But there is a a world of information out there. Uh, Certainly keep somebody engaged, keep aware of what's going on because this market is evolving. Unfortunately, it's not as mature as the Medicare Advantage side of the house or even the Medicaid side of the house. And a lot of this is being governed through PowerPoints and through kind of administrative materials and not necessarily as much in formalized processes that you see in some of the mature markets. If there was one thing that you would throw out as a tip or a hint for uh, our listeners, what would that be? The biggest thing is I, CMS is listening. I'd be actively involved, be engaged, tell them what's a concern. If, for example, you know they, they pushed off the balanced billing until 2018 because people were concerned about how to administer that. They changed the time and distance parameters because people were concerned about the NAIC model and how that could work in their industry. So I think that if, as a participant in the healthcare industry, we need to be engaged. We need to use our voice and use it smartly, but I think they are listening and take an active role in what you're doing and it really shape how this will work out for the future. Now, of course, that all is said with the caveat is come November with the presidential election, I think things are going to change one way or the other. So, you know, we'll all have to wait and see how that all pans out. Yeah. We're almost out of time here, Stephanie. But before I let you go, I want to make sure folks know how to get a hold of you uh, and how to learn more about DST Health Solutions. You're obviously a font of information and insight, so we want to make sure folks can take advantage of it. Sure. I can be reached at uh, 205 Four three seven six three four five. My email is my first initial and last name, sfleftwich at dsthealthsolutions.com. Um, you can also go to our website and click in the information there, and they can get in touch with me. I also understand, Stephanie, that you're conducting a survey. 
Yes, we are in the process of releasing a survey to learn more from you guys, the experts, the listeners out there, about what their plans are and how they will be handling all of these upcoming changes in 2017. So be on the lookout for that survey link that will come through from DST, and I encourage you to participate so we can get the feedback. And we're going to take the results of the survey and compile it into a white paper that will come out later this year as well. Stephanie Leftwich, Director, Health Insurance Marketplace Strategy with DST Health Solutions. Thanks for taking time and sharing your expertise and insight. We appreciate it. Thank you. I had a good time. That wraps today's episode. On behalf of my guest, Stephanie Leftwich, I'm Todd Youngblood. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to DST Radio. For more information or questions, you can contact DST Health Solutions at 800-272-4799 or email us at marketing at dsthealthsolutions.com. Thank you.